Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at uh1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. You are listening to Missed Apex Podcast. We live F1. Welcome to Inside F1 with Joe Sayward on Missed Apex Podcast, an independent Formula One podcast brought to you on MissedApexPodcast.com. We aim to bring you a race review before your Monday morning commute. We might be wrong, but we're first. This show is safe for work. We're keeping it clean here so you can play this with kids in the background or at work. I'm your host, Richard Spanners Ready. And tonight I'm joined again in the shed by paddock regular Joe Sayward. Thanks for joining us again, Joe. It's a pleasure to be back. I'm more jealous of you than normal because Monza is very, very high on my wish list. When I'm a legit international icon, I'm going to use those millionaire bucks to take me straight to Italy. It's a proper festival of speed, a classic. Yes, it is, but don't go straight there. It's horrible. You arrive in an airport, the baggage doesn't come, there's a terrible traffic jam. What you need to do is to drive there. It's a day clean and some fancy car. See, what I've heard is that, I mean, Spa, when I was looking at the prices, are similar to Silverstone type prices. But when you look at Monza, it's a lot cheaper. And people have said it's cheaper for a reason because they just they don't have the facilities quite. Uh, to be quite honest, I've not ever spectated at Monza as a as a human being, if you like, I've always been on the other side. As a more, um, as a as a as a Formula One person, which I suppose are vaguely human, some of them. Um, but um, I don't know, to be honest. I mean, I, I drive through the public areas sometimes, and it's all a bit messy. But um, you know, it's very <laughs> Italian. So um, oh, it is. So so if I if someone has been to Rome regularly, they might be already well versed to the lifestyle in Monza. Yes, I think so. So yeah, don't I mean, cross they, the road and they, look out for mopeds. Yes, they, 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 they wobble all over the shop. They like to cause traffic jams, and it's, it's basic chaos. But, um, you know, if you go in early enough in the morning, nobody, nobody upsets you. And uh, what are the atmosphere there, Joe, and the famous Tifosi? Because they certainly made themselves present this weekend. They did, but they got shut up by Lewis Hamilton somewhat afterwards because they were jeering him. And he said quite nicely in a way, he tried to be nice to them first of all and say how much he loved it 
Italy and harassed her for the rest of his days and all the rest of this stuff. And in the end, he said, after they jeered him some more, he said, well, it just goes to prove that Mercedes is better than Ferrari. And there was, a, for a second, there was a stunned silence that fell across the park because nobody ever says that to the Tifosi. But they deserved it, to be honest, you know, because they were being a bit rude. It was wonderful, though. You could say they were being a bit rude, but it's part of the pantomime, isn't it, Joe? You're not one of these, surely, who, who says that booing's disgraceful and wrecks the sport. No, not really. But if somebody's done a terrifically good job, if someone's done something bad, booing's fine. But if somebody's done something good, which Lewis did, to be honest, I think it's a bit it's a bit rude, yeah. Yeah, it's a little bit. But the way he answered them was absolutely fantastic. And yes, that was, was. R- right in front of all the Mercedes bigwigs and things. And in general, Mercedes seemed very, very smug with that result. Sure, we expected them to win, but the manner in which they won. Uh, that was called crushing... It was called drubbing in my book. It was basically um, they they removed Mr. Marchione's trousers and displayed him to the world and sort of said, there you go, take that. Mm, it was interesting because Vettel's sitting there trying to play it down and say, well, no, it's because I had a, a problem. Yeah, he had a problem quite late in the race, Vettel. Um, but then, you know, it was the chairman himself who came out and said, no, this is embarrassing and I'd, I'd like to wipe the smug looks off Mercedes' faces. Yeah, I think that's fair enough. I mean, they wanted to wipe the smug look off his face when he won some races earlier on. So, you know, smug wiping is a good plan. So did you get to speak to anyone in the Mercedes camp? Because they really did seem just like excited school children, like a weight had been lifted off. Because even though they won in Spa, people were saying, oh, yeah, but really Ferrari have, have shown how great they are with their second place. They were They were quick in Spa, Ferrari. There's no question about it. But I think what Mercedes um, has to do is they have to win at the races, they're, the racetracks they're strong. Yeah. And there are, cert- there are certain races they, they, they think they're strong and certain races where Ferrari is going to be strong. And so if they don't win at the races they're strong, that's a, that's a real defeat. Um, you know, we can divide up the remaining tracks as to who's going to be where. And we might, you know, occasionally we'll say this one's pretty shared. You know, the balance are the same. But um, as of right now, the Mercedes looks quite good. I think in Singapore, we'll see Ferrari come back at them. But you never know. It's been changing all season. I th- I was thinking that in Singapore, maybe Ferrari will be ahead, but they won't be ahead to the point that Mercedes were in Monza. So Ferrari have got to be perfect and Mercedes are going to be right there to pick up the pieces. Well, I think also it depends on how much the development is, is doing and, and all these kind of things. And that's really hard to, for anyone outside the teams to judge. And even within the teams, they can only know what they've done, not what the opposition has done. So it's a bit, um, it's a bit difficult to say with any certainty this is going to happen or that's going to happen. So we'll see. And that's, you know, that's the best answer. Wait and see how it goes. Well, I don't know. I'm looking. There's the Singapore street track. But I'm still fancying Mercedes like everywhere else. So, I mean, I've been a big uh, person that's been saying that Mercedes have the better car on balance. It's good that Ferrari have been close enough to pick up wins and stuff like that. But apart from Singapore, I don't really see much hope for Ferrari. Um, I think if they can win or be very quick at Spa, I think they'll be quite Suzuka. good at Suz- oh, Suzuka. Yeah, see, yeah. Um, Malaysia, I would think that um, Ferrari will be in the ballpark there. Um, Austin, it should be about half and half, I would think. Mexico, that should be Mercedes, I would think, in principle. But you never know. Um, and I can't remember after that. There's Brazil somewhere along the way. And Brazil should be a, a Mercedes track, I think. But, you know, a lot depends on weather. We're going into the autumn now, as we saw at Monza. Weather can play a, a fairly major role. 
Um, oh, speaking of weather. <laughs> it was horrendous. It was horrendous. Right. Like, there's everyone, you were saying everyone just hides when it's wet. They do. They, they, they basically just sit in their motorhomes. And, and that's why it was a bit quiet on the news front, because no one was really about to talk to. Um, and, you know, it happens. What, what do you do if you're going to get wet? Um, logical people go hide. Wow. If it ain't raining, it ain't training. I did notice at least the Renault boys were out doing wet pit stop practice. Well, you know, I, th- I think that Formula One needs to work out how to amuse people when they don't go out because, you know, along the main straight, people didn't really understand why they weren't going out. Um, obviously, in other places on the track, the water was deeper and you ca- and the aquaplaning is quite dangerous. So um, it is, you know, there, there needs to be a way to, to amuse people. I thought Dan Ricciardo did a great job by getting hold of the camera and wandering into the Mercedes garage. I thought that was brilliant. Um, you know, the Mercedes boys playing uh, computer games is great in a way, but the old farts who watch Formula One, it's probably not something they can really understand, you know, because their, their knowledge of computer games ended with um, Pikmin. Are you not a computer game or guy? Was it, or was that Pac-Man? It, I can't remember. It was Pac-Man. I, th- I think you actually knew that it was called Pac-Man and that was a hilarious joke joke. No, it wasn't a hilarious joke. I know Pikmin because my son <laughs> used to play it, and I remember Pac-Man because that was my when I were young. But no, I never play computer games. Why would I? I mean, it's not my thing. Oh, I like I prefer real life, you know. Yeah, real life can get cold and rainy, Joe. It's never cold yeah. and rainy on an Xbox, and you can conquer worlds. Uh, yeah, but but you, don't, but you don't really conquer worlds. Well, you know what is real, Joe. But anyway, you so- don't really you don't really <laughs> win Grand Prix or machine gun hundreds of German soldiers, do you? You know. No, and these tires... And you don't build empires. But you can do it. I've seen... I've watched my son doing all this stuff. It doesn't really excite me very much, but I get why the people were into it, yeah. And uh, these wet tires don't clear those puddles of water that you're talking about. Jake Sanson was getting very upset on the Sunday review show saying wet weather tires used to be able to run in the wet. Could they make a tire that could run better on those conditions? They probably could. Um, But... The thing is, it's not so much the tires; it's it's the it's the closeness of the cars to the ground, uh-huh. um, and therefore, you know, if there's enough water, they just start to aquaplane. And um, it, it's you know, if you lift them up, uh, you destroy a lot of aerodynamic effect, but you also reduce the amount of water effect. So it's a difficult one to call. Um, I think Pirelli could design far better tyres in most respects. But then again, that's not what they were asked to do, was it? No, that's true. And Christopher Fonseca in the chat room would like to point out that building empires in real life is frowned upon, Joe. Uh, right. So well, it depends how you do it. Uh, hmm. Yes. Yeah, so let's not get into politics, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> Twitter's upsetting enough without it being dragged uh, here into the shed. Uh, so back to the race itself a little bit. Obviously, Mercedes disappeared and Ferrari made their way through the field in, in the most part. Vettel was already some eight seconds behind by the time he got through the likes of Stroll and Ocon. But what I found really fascinating was that very early on, the Mercedes turned their engine down and they turned their engine down in a one-two formation. Presumably, both cars turned their engine down. So there was no question of Valtteri Bottas coming up and challenging Hamilton for the lead. Does that mean we've now got a legit Mercedes number two driver? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It just means that that was the safest thing to do in the circumstances. And, you know, 
when you are a completely dominant force, you can afford to be sporting and have uh, your drivers fighting. But if you're under threat from anybody else and you lose a championship, you can imagine what those nasty people like Joe Sayward would say if you were beaten by Ferrari because you had people taking points off each other. Well, beaten by Ferrari and the constructors. Are you saying that if Bottas was ahead... Well, no, Ferrari are never going to win the constructors as long as they keep employing Kimi Raikkonen. It's very simple. Yeah, definitely want to get to that. I mean, I was quite harsh about Kimi Raikkonen at the weekend, but I'm still fascinated with this Mercedes dynamic. If Bottas had got the jump on Lewis Hamilton somehow at the start, would they have been told to hold station like that? But if my auntie had testicles, (laughs) she'd be my uncle, wouldn't she? You know? He didn't. Uh, I wish I could have seen a scenario where they were closer on track because I really want to know. I heavily suspect that Bottas has been put in his box. No, have they? Did they stop Valtteri Bottas in wherever it was recently where they'd switched places at the end of the race? No, they didn't. Lewis Hamilton did that from choice and let uh, Bottas back because Bottas had given him the chance. So, um, because they because. Lewis couldn't win the race, so he then gave the position back. Uh, and and Botas has won races with Lewis still in them this year. So it's it, 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 what, what you're seeing is a guy who's faster than the other guy. That's not team orders. That's different. So you honestly think it would happen again now that Botas would be expecting to get a position back that he'd given to Lewis, if, if that were to happen in Singapore? Yes, I do, because wow. Lewis, is, Lewis is a sportsman. Tell me one time in Lewis's career on track uh, where he's played dirty. Uh, You know, I'm sure there's a million people out there who've got lots of conspiracy theories, but he's a very clean driver. He doesn't drive other people off the road, unlike we've got proven evidence for almost all the others. Funnily enough, Kimi is the other one who's very clean. Although he did have an incident with Bottas a couple of years ago in Sochi, which I thought was a bit dodgy. Oh, he punted him. No, but I don't, I'm not sure. I think it was just incompetence. I think he just, I don't, I don't know. It, it's not like Kimi. Kimi is a, is, a, is a clean driver, always has been. And, um, you know, maybe, maybe it's because he's never been put under the pressure required uh, to make him a non-clean driver like you know, Vettel or Schumacher or anybody who's driven into anybody else um, or done something despicable like Nico Rosberg did in Monaco by driving up the escape road, you know. Um, and we had so, a fantastic analysis from Bradley Philpot. Uh, I don't know if you've managed to catch that at all, but I'll point you in its direction uh, where he was explaining exactly why he knew as a racing driver that Rosberg had done that deliberately and gone off into that slip road. Of course, reversing it kind of sealed the deal that he'd definitely done it. But um, I, I think you're, what you're saying really is Lewis Hamilton, for all his flaws potentially drives with a sense of honor and you can see that he very much it's important that he exudes that sense of honor i never turn down a challenge i never want number one status he wants to win the right way and i believe that comes from a genuine place yes absolutely and i think that that places him on a higher level than the others because uh you know while they all might pretend that uh, sebastian vettel doesn't care who his number two is the fact that the announcements of the signing of the contracts were four days apart clearly indicated that one was dependent upon the other in my book anyway so does this mean we're going to see Kimi Raikkonen at Ferrari until he's 40 because that's how long Vettel's contract's for Mm, I don't know we'll have to wait and see but my my response to that will be take away their extra money then they need to worry about the constructors yeah it would be and is there any chance of that happening then in 2020 
Absolutely, 100%. They're going to be nailed to the wall and told, take it or leave it. You could always go to Le Mans. Um, I, I, I think that there will be a settlement in which they will agree to because they don't have any choice. Where are they going to go? Formula One and Ferrari are linked. And if one wants to go away from the other, both will suffer for it. But Ferrari will suffer more. See, I wonder if that's generational, because I was uh, born in the early 80s, and I never really saw Ferrari as being vital to Formula One. That's just not how I've, I've grown up. But a lot of people would say Ferrari is Formula One, pretty much. Well, they've done something like 940 of the 980 Grand Prix. It's maybe even more than that, actually. I haven't checked this numbers recently. So you have to say they're quite an important element. Um, but... They are not the be-all and end-all of Formula One. They have a lot of fans around the world. But as we've seen with Lotus and Brabham and teams like that, teams come and teams go. And the sport survives without them. And I think that Ferrari, you know, Bernie kept giving Ferrari more money to, um, you know, to have them on his side. But that's not what's required because the thing is that nobody else is going to join Ferrari's side. In the old days, you know, Ferrari was in alliance with the other teams. Uh, the FIA and the Formula One group were in trouble. And the thing is that nowadays nobody's in league with Ferrari apart from Ferrari customers who have to be. Joshua in the chat room says, a Lacey and Berger never felt very vital. Uh, and Craig is, is wondering if there's any chance of Porsche joining with the new engine regs. We'll, we'll get to uh, engine regs, but I'm, I'm still uh, fascinated with how the season is unfolding. And as you alluded to, Kimi Raikkonen, I'm gathering from what you've said, you're not a fan of him currently as in his current form and it's very telling that Vettel sliced through Stroll and Ocon to get to the front whereas Raikkonen was having to attempt undercuts and he was stuck behind them for most of the race I mean there's there's a huge gulf in pace between those two guys right now I think so I mean Kimi can get up to speed occasional qualifying laps uh, and sometimes when everything's right in the car but he's not the Kimi Raikkonen we used to know back in the the days before he went off to knock down trees in rally cars. Um, uh, McKimmy's a good driver, but he's not, you know, I, my, my, my feeling is that he should not be in a second Ferrari. It'd be, it would be better and more exciting for the sport to have a youngster in there, uh, Max Verstappen. Um, and that would, that would um, get the eyes watering in, in Vettelville, I'm sure. Yeah, certainly. But, Vettel at the moment is their their golden boy. What would it take for them to upset the apple cart and put him with someone who who might race him? Some more years. Well, just just let him get old as well. But we've got a while to go. He's still a young man. Well, he's a youngish man. But you know, the other thing is that he does have his moments of petulance, and and you know, there have been years when he hasn't won in the thing. So if you become um, non-winning and petulant, you can damage your reputation. Ask Fernando Alonso. Do you think that Kimi has a belief in himself that he's still got a way to go, or is this someone driving for money? This is a, a like a, a j just like um you know that end of boxing career huge purse fight where it doesn't matter if they win or lose. Um, to be honest, it's very hard to say because we never see the real Kimi in Formula One, a sort of ersatz version that he allows people to see, um, and I'm not sure that we can make any judgments based on. You know, what we think Kimmy's like by what we see in Formula One paddocks. 
Fair enough. Absolutely fair enough. All right, then uh, just finishing up with, you know, Monza, there was some some real turn-ups because whenever I've tried to be critical of Stroll, you've always sort of come back at me and said, oh, well, he's not the best driver in Formula One, but that's because Formula One drivers are very good. So perhaps I have to eat humble pie a little bit based on his qualifying performance where I'm not sure that Williams had any right to be in the top four or on the front row. Uh, it had a right. It's called the Mercedes-Benz engine. Aha, in a straight line. Um, <laughs> in a straight line. And I think there was even a team quote that said something along the lines of, um, you know, if we had to go around more corners, we wouldn't be where we are. But um, we don't, so it was okay. And that is that is really, you know, there's nothing wrong with the Mercedes engines. Uh, the problem at Williams is uh, technically the car's a dog, really. It barks as it goes down the, the straights. So, oh, sorry, it barks when it goes around the corners, I mean. <laughs> uh, but don't we normally say that when it's wet, you need a car that's got good balance and lots of downforce to, to get grip? Or are you just saying the Mercedes has such an advantage in the engine that none of that mattered? I, I don't think it mattered hugely. If, I mean, if you if you look at the fact that a Williams beating a Force India is a fairly rare thing this year. So... Um, and also, I mean, you do have to take into account the fact that the combination of Massa and Stroll is not perhaps as strong as the combination of Perez and Ocon. There we go. That's a good question, actually. And it's further down on my list here, Joe. But how much is that hurting Williams? I've gone as far as to say Williams are perhaps risking their their racing pedigree and their racing uh, soul by continuing with this driver pairing. Uh, I, I, I honestly think it's so- as desperate as that. Souls and pedigree don't matter much if you can't afford things. So uh, you 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 make the necessary arrangements based on how – if you're going to make a suit, you've got to have enough cloth to make it. That's some old English proverb or something, isn't it? So you cut your cloth to meet your requirements. I wondered if in previous seasons you could get away with pay drivers more because the driver had less of a percentage input are they feeling it more because this season the driver can really make a difference with these new cars? No, I don't think it's any different. No? To be honest. No. 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 Don't think that's significant, really. So who do you think will be at Williams next year, asks Mr. Fonseca. Do you have any inklings? Because surely they don't want somebody who's going to spank Stroll too hard. Well, it's not that. I mean, one of the problems they have is that the new rising stars are all quite young. Uh, and they have a problem there because Martini wants a 25-year-old in one of the cars in order to sell drink to middle-aged people in Papua New Guinea or wherever it is their target market is. So um, they are, I believe, contracted to have a 25-year-old plus driver. And the problem is that in the in the current era, the 25-year-old plus drivers who aren't employed elsewhere have all been and gone. Yeah, that's true. But surely if you want to sell and glamorise alcohol, why not get a jock in? You've got Deresta sat there waiting. Yeah, but is Deresta better than Massa? I Do you know? I don't, ah. but I'm just saying. I mean, Massa, <laughs> Massa nearly won a... Massa was world champion for nine seconds. Paul Deresta wasn't, was he? So uh, um, Samathos says uh, perhaps Bottas might end up back there as well. And Joshua is asking for button back. And Lorenz... Uh, is considering getting Weber out of the commentary booth and back into a Williams car. But I think you okay. might be right. The, okay. the great okay. drivers have gone. Let's let's just go through those, shall we? Um, <laughs> you know, Button doesn't want to be a Formula One driver anymore, didn't want to be back in Monaco no matter what he said. He just did it because he had to. 
Weber is well out of it and happy not to be doing it anymore. You, you know, you get to a certain point in life where taking stupendous risks is not something that you want to do anymore. And if you, you know, if you look at Formula Two races, I don't know if you saw the Formula Two races at Monza, um, you see what the power of ambition and youth will do for you. These guys are all <laughs> lunatics. And yeah, in Formula great. One, um, things are a little bit more staid because the guys at least have made it. But in Formula Two, where they're all trying to make it, they pull off the most extraordinary maneuvers. So you, you get extraordinarily entertaining racing, but um, it is ever so slightly mad. It is very entertaining. I, I think so. The point you're making there is perhaps uh, we don't want to draw from the youth uh, of F2 too quickly. Well, it depends what you want. If you want to have races where you're in constant fear that they'll go end over end into the trees formula two is much more interesting isn't it but if you are if your motivation is to see good racing um watching some of these formula two drivers going around corners at 37 different angles um and 39 different lines is not necessarily um what you want it, it's it's really uh the purist versus the um the the uh Whatever the opposite of purist is. <laughs> uh, I'm tired. I'm tired uh, snowflake. Today. I don't know. Uh, okay, tell you what then. Let's move from what's in the cockpit to what's in the back of the car. Thanks very much to the chat room for joining us today. You guys make the race reviews tick over. We absolutely love you having you on, especially the panel shows. If you want to join the live stream, which normally comes at 8pm on a Sunday, go to YouTube and look for Missed Apex Podcast. Click the subscribe button there, click the little notification bell, and you will get a notification on your phone or laptop whenever we go live. Uh, Joe, the big talking point of what is going to happen with power units is the McLaren-Honda relationship. Now, I know we've been talking about it all season, but it seems to really be coming to a head. And I think the interesting thing I've found so far has, it, it has been all one way, mclaren being very vocal, Alonso blaming McLaren, them talking about the ja the Japanese, their work ethic and how they don't let insiders in. But now you kind of feel that there's a bit of pushback coming and maybe Honda aren't too happy with what's going on as well. I don't think Honda has a leg to stand on, to be honest. They've done three years and they haven't got it. I mean, they got it better last year and they got it wrong again this year. So um, I don't think that McLaren is being unreasonable at all. I think Honda has failed to deliver. And I think that if McLaren wishes to terminate, there'll have to be a settlement of some sort. But they can't afford to go on losing um, and not being competitive because you lose your sponsorship, you lose your good engineers, you, you lose the good drivers. And most importantly, you, shall you lose your reputation. And McLaren don't want that. They want to be back at the front. Yeah, and I mean so... They, they, you know, if they can do a deal that gets rid of Honda from their point of view, they don't want to kick Honda out of Formula One. And it was all neatly organized um, when there was a Sauber deal going with Honda. And then uh, new people came in and, and messed it all up. So um, for various different reasons. Um, and, you know, it doesn't make any sense, really, because if you're in a second or third Ferrari supply, you're not going to win any more than you are if you have Honda in the back, to be quite honest. Right, so Daniel in the chat room is just suggesting that perhaps the McLaren just need to accept they're not a top team anymore. Are they kind of barking orders at Honda as if they're one of the big guys where realistically, you know, their demise down the grid started before Honda? 
No, I think if you want to know McLaren, you need to go to Woking and have a look at what they have there. Even just go there on Google Earth, have a look at the McLaren factory, and you'll understand that McLaren is a very big team. They're a car manufacturer who's booming at the moment. They're making lots of money. They're a fantastic um, brand and a great organization. So um, they're not they're not some sort of you know two bit non racing organization. What the, the the big mistake they made was there were two big mistakes actually if you go back in time the first big mistake came in 2008 when martin whitmarsh agreed to let braun grand prix have an engine they had an exclusive with mercedes engines but martin tried to do the right thing and stop braun going out of business when honda pulled the plug incidentally so let's just remember that too you know these things come on uh, there, there, there are two boots on, on every human being, and sometimes one boot falls and the other one doesn't. So Honda have done the same to everybody else. So the fact that they're getting kicked around in Formula One now, don't feel sorry for them because they played the same trick. Okay. Now, going back to 2009, Martin Whitmarsh said to Ross Braun, you've saved the team. We'll give you the engines. That's terrific. And Ross Braun turned around and beat him. How dare he? And by doing that, he gave mercedes-benz the input necessary to buy the team and create the monolithic monster we have today which is a very different team to how it was then but that's how it happened so that was mclaren's first mistake mclaren's second mistake i think was to sign with honda because they were obviously looking for a replacement for mercedes because they thought we're not going anywhere with a second or third supply of mercedes which is a fair fair assessment um if they'd stuck with mercedes they probably would have done rather better but obviously they didn't want to at the time. They thought it was the wrong thing to do. And and the management at the time thought that Honda was the savior. Well, Honda hasn't been a savior since the 1980s. So, and, well, it's true. I mean, you know, it took Jensen Button, Rubens Barrichello, and the BAR Honda, whatever it was called this week team, a very long time to win one race. And the minute they put a Mercedes-Benz engine in the back of the Honda chassis, it won the world championship. So what does that tell you? Yeah, absolutely. But uh, if I could play devil's advocate, because I'm not informed. I, you to... can't play devil's advocate. I was doing it just now. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, uh, did they did they not make uh, a couple of other mistakes as well? In that, firstly, they weren't beating the likes of Force India when they had the Mercedes power unit. So it's not like they were the second best Merc powered car beating down the door of the factory team. Um, I think that uh, first of all. I think everyone underestimates Force India. I mean, Vijay Malia is Vijay Malia. But beneath him, he has a very, very good team of people led by a man called Otmar Zafnau, which is a, sounds like a monstrous spelling mistake and actually is uh, when you try to actually get it spelt right. But um, he's a very clever man and he is largely responsible. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. 
They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. ...for their success. Now, obviously, he, he does what um, VJ tells him and what the money he has given um, allows him to do. But in both those respects, they've done very well. So, you know, VJ may be a lot of different things, but he does understand enough to uh, make some good strategic decisions based on what his staff think is best for the team. Okay, so yes, perhaps uh, we do underestimate Force India, and definitely, and many people have said, you know, Pound, dollar for dollar, dollar for horsepower, if you like, dollar for lap time. You know, Force India are a great team. Uh, not denying that at all. Uh, but our, our my co-host, Matt Trumpets, uh, was very much saying that perhaps Honda really should be looked at as a team in year one right now, given that McLaren were forcing them down a size zero philosophy that wouldn't let them just simply copy the Mercedes engine. No, it's not about that. It's, it's about the Japanese mentality of not copying uh-huh. uh, at least in the car companies um they are there is this belief that you should do it yourself they should if they were western car companies they would have bought in the talent they would have bought the technology uh, and they'd be in a much better position but they won't do that there were deals in place for them to buy a mercedes technology which were cleared by everybody but the honda people wouldn't wouldn't sign them off um, and that's another of the reasons. Obviously, McLaren are sort of saying, well, we gave you the chance, but they don't understand the Japanese way and, you know, the it's the samurai way, if you like, of doing it their way and nobody else's way. And the trouble with that is that in the modern age, you have to have as many talents from all over the world as you can get. And you can't just rely on one nation. You know, imagine, imagine if... Um, Ferrari was relying only on Italians. I thought you were going to say, imagine if a country like the UK decided to isolate itself from the talent pool of the continent. But uh, again, we're not going down the political route, are we, Joe? Well, I do believe that there is a McLaren establishment somewhere in Spain where a lot of contracts will be based in the future. Well, there we go. Um, but so you're putting it all uh, at the feet of of Honda, and I think you know that's certainly not an unpopular view. So are we heading to divorce and and who gets the children? Who gets to keep Alonso? I think we are heading for a divorce, and I think it's uh, Honda is due to make a decision now. In effect, um, as to what happens, they have two two real choices. They can say. Um, we will go with with Toro Rosso and maybe with uh, Red Bull Racing in 2019. And, uh, or, or they can say, we're going to leave. If they say to McLaren, we want to stay and we want to stay with you, McLaren will say, no, we don't want that. You and therefore, so? if we don't want that, then there'll be three engine manufacturers, each with three 
teams and then there won't be a question of they're not being allowed to have four supplies sorry i did i miss something there are you saying that mclaren have made their mind up they don't want a honda engine yes i think they have and is in, that- my, in, in my opinion they've not said it on the record but you know i spend my life talking to as many people as i can and the number of people who i've spoken to to whom it's very clear that the only way forward is to get rid of honda um it's it's actually I'd say unanimous, really. I can't think of anybody I've spoken to uh, who doesn't think it's a good idea. No, I mean, I agree completely because, you know, I've, I've been a McLaren fan, fan growing up as well. And, and I want to see them doing really well. And I've been desperate for them to get rid of Honda. So for me, that feels like a, a massive relief if if they can get another supplier. Now, the other manufacturers are being a bit coy about saying whether they would supply McLaren. Presumably, this is all gamesmanship. One of them will end up giving McLaren an engine. No, no, one of them will have to. If Honda goes, one of them will have to give ah, McLaren an engine. Uh, and because McLaren want to go with Renault and the others don't want them. You see, the thing about engines nowadays is that hardware is one thing. And software is quite another. And, you know, I think that there's some stuff that perhaps goes on um, with software that maybe makes one of the reasons why the customer teams are not as fast. Wait a minute. No, what are you saying? All the engines are supplied the same and sealed in boxes and randomly distributed, surely? Yes, they are. But (laughs) there are always little ways that you can do. Otherwise, wouldn't Force India be beating Mercedes-Benz? just i'm sure it's just down to mercedes superior oil i mean aero uh, did i say oil well it might it might have something to do with oil as well yes <laughs> i mean the amount of the amount of oil that's been burned off in in uh in recent seasons by the top teams is quite dramatic so it's interesting so which which chess piece do we think is is going to fall first are we going to hear from honda saying we've secured a deal with toro rosso therefore we can then infer that now mclaren are going to be looking for a another manufacturer for another engine well actually let me think about this um i believe that the honda board meeting was yesterday night not actually tonight so uh late last night that being monday night in japan if the decision had been taken to pull out there is absolutely no reason for honda not to have announced it Therefore, we're 24 hours later and they haven't announced anything that I've seen so far. I haven't looked in the last two hours, admittedly, but um, which would suggest that probably they've decided not to pull out and they've tried to decide that they have to do a deal with Toro Rosso. Toro Rosso actually makes a heap of sense because it means that they can go on developing uh, without being in the spotlight under the pressure that McLaren gives them. And if they get it right, they can go to Red Bull in 19. So Honda have no interest in in being an F1 team. And no, they don't want to buy one. Um, But that's, you know, if they have to buy a team, because those are the terms on offer, you can always find a third party. It's not very hard. You know, I could pick up the phone and find 10 people in about 10 minutes who want to buy a Formula One team, but don't have the money. So uh, the other thing about Toro Rosso is that Red Bull want to sell it. So uh, they want to sell it cheaply. Well, they don't want to sell it cheap because they've invested a lot, but they will they will sell it quite cheaply because they can just keep they can just say as part of the deal you keep the Red Bull branding on the side of the car. So for three years you'll see Red Bull on the side of the car, but Red Bull won't be paying for it. So it's a bit but of that, a shot to nothing then for Red Bull. If the Honda suddenly gets its act together, they become a de facto works team the following year. And if not, they can kind of walk away unburnt. Yes. 
basically. Um, and as if if you go back in time to 2001, Sauber and Red Bull fell out, and there was a three-year period when Red Bull was on the side of the Sauber, but they weren't paying for it. It was a fade-out. And so you do a fade-out for three years on Toro Rosso. You know, there is a school of thought that Red Bull will be fading out of Red Bull as well in 2020. And that seems to be gathering quite a lot of momentum. The fact that Red Bull's probably done enough in Formula One and, and may want to go off and do other things like throwing dwarfs out of aeroplanes or something, whatever they want to do. I'm not allowed to say dwarfs, am I? I've got to say small, small people. people or something. Thank you very much for that correction, Joe. <laughs> uh, you're a popular man in the chat room. RJ is convinced that you should buy a Formula One team. Use those contacts, pick up that phone and get in there with a Porsche engine is what I'm gathering the chat room want. A Porsche engine. Yeah, I mean, that's all doable by next Tuesday, isn't it? You know, <laughs> Is that the uh, deadline? There is, a Porsche, there is a Porsche engine out there which could come, but not. you wouldn't come in before 2021. Is there a risk that for anyone coming in now, they would invest heavily in this new hybridization and that Ross Braun could turn around and say, no, we only want beer-fueled rocket ships and all the tracks are just going to be straights from now on? Well, if you said that, everyone involved would pull out. So it wouldn't be the smartest thing to do. So, Screaming no, V12s then? No, no. What they're doing is go, they're going to use the same basic technology. They'll get rid of the MGUHs, which snuffle the noise. They will – and also – produce a lot of failure and a lot of um technology that's a bit complicated if you increase the mg uk's you have better noise you still have the hybrid analysis for the world to look at it's like formula e you know formula e is fundamentally rubbish when it comes to technology <sighs> and poor racing i have but, criticized them for their technology yes but they're a very nice place for manufacturers to take people to drink green tea and eat <laughs> lettuce leaves or whatever the thing they do Cucumber in the future sandwiches, yeah. and, and to convince people that the car company is green and not stuffing diesel out of every, every pore. So, you know, it, it's, it's just a sort of marketing thing. Formula E's got a long way to go. And first of all, it has to survive. Uh, second of all, as the car manufacturers go in there, they will escalate the prices to an absurd level. So everything will get really silly. And then it will be valuable, perhaps in terms of developing uh, electronic or electric powered motors. But right now, I think it's more a question of the car companies putting the technology into the cars rather than the technology coming out of the racing cars and going into the road cars. Yet, yeah, uh, Darren's suggesting that electric cars are where road cars are heading and i will just say as an engineer i don't think there is such a thing as better noise noise is waste energy joe we don't want yes, noise of course we don't but except racing fans do want noise <laughs> anyway and i'm not entirely sure that that is the correct answer any about you know maybe maybe hydrogen fuel cells of the future who's to say yeah, absolutely. Okay, let's uh, move on a little bit to sponsorship, Joe, because loads of people in our Slack group and in our WhatsApp group uh, and our Facebook group, which you can find on Facebook by searching Missed Apex Podcast. And while I'm at it, why don't I plug the show's Twitter at Missed Apex F1? Uh, were... you've, you've missed out on Instagram. <laughs> uh, I don't have a Missed Apex Instagram, actually. Um, somebody did make me start a Snapchat, but uh, as far as I'm concerned, that's for naughty things and I just can't have any truck with that kind of thing. What's well, rabbit, rabbit's ears stuck on people's heads. Yeah. Really, I don't really get that myself, but there you go, whatever. I definitely missed out on um, Snapchat. I've completely lost it. Aha, yes. People were wondering what possible 
uh, motivation there could be for Ferrari having a sponsorship deal with a cigarette company, with a tobacco company, when tobacco advertising is banned? I think that's a very simple question, really. We're simple folk. How how big is the check? Okay, so traditionally we think of sponsorship as I give you some money, you put your thing on our car. But we can't put your thing on our car. Why can't they put their car on their cigarette packet? Uh Uh-huh, right. Well, obviously, in the UK, we're not allowed to do anything like that. But presumably, there are other countries than are there with big red Ferraris all over their cigarette packets. Well, there are there is the potential for that. But there are certainly there's potential to do lots and lots and lots of different things. The entertaining of uh, tobacco dealers, for example, they do like to be taken to races and wined and dined. And look at that car that looks a little bit like a cigarette packet whizzing by. And, and, you know, in the mind of the world. Uh, things don't change you know <clears throat> you do surveys on f1 sponsorship and most of the world will tell you jps is still in there so there is a historical value there is a vip hospitality value there is a a value in various places where you can still advertise although you're not supposed to you know you you, you go to monte carlo every year and you find adverts on the walls which don't mention the word marlboro but you know who they're sponsoring um or sorry, the advertising. So you know, there are lots of things that make it valuable um, for Philip Morris. And the other thing is, if you're a tobacco company, just where can you spend your money nowadays? They've got tons of it. They just don't know what to do with it. So why not just keep doing what we're doing? Because you're not allowed to do anything else. I would use that money to train robot monkey butlers. Okay, good plan. But I think Honda's already doing that. Okay, fair enough then. Uh, i tell you what then, Joe. And hopefully um, they're doing it well. Uh, uh, speaking of uh, record times, which we weren't at all, uh, your GP Plus magazine came out in record time, presumably because... No, it, it wasn't even close to being Wasn't record. it? It was out pretty quick. Yeah, it was, about, it was about five hours, I think maybe six hours, but we've done it in two and a half in the past when we had a plane to catch. Well, that was um, a Friday. That sounds like a Friday afternoon fractory rush job. I think this one was a genuine, you know, quick production of the magazine. They're all genuine quick productions. It's just a matter of the, the level of quality, really. But uh, it's possible to do. I don't think you can do it in less than two and a half hours. But uh, I wouldn't want to try. Uh, but this week, particularly easy, easier, I suppose, because it was uh, the narrative was straightforward. I mean, when I was doing the show notes for the race review, the narrative was pretty straightforward. It was Mercedes uh, thumped the field. Red Bull made it all the way from the back and then that kind of uh, Williams force India battle. So I guess that kind of simplifies your job a little bit. Well, actually not my job because I don't write the race reports in Grand Prix plus David Tremaine does that. So that simplified his job. But my job is much the same. I, I On Sundays, I put it all into, into place. I am the designer. I am the everything. The um, and uh, the artiste, exactly. I write the other bits at other times. But... Uh, on on Sunday nights, I am very much in the production element um, of rushing it out. And people say, well, why on earth are you doing that? And the answer is, well, because if you add anybody into the game uh, who doesn't have the right sort of fast mentality, anyone with plastic red glasses and a pigtail will delay you. So um, basically, we don't want fancy designers too much. We just want to get it done. Absolutely. And uh, one of the reasons we come out on Sunday and the very latest Monday with our race reviews is because people just genuinely stop caring by the time Wednesday and Thursday comes out, especially in the internet age. They've read everything. They've listened to everything. If your publication's not right out there, I guess it's people don't buy it. 
yeah, I, I think that's that's very much part of the thing. The other thing is we have the earliest or some of the earliest pictures. You can get some pictures on the internet, obviously, but you can't have them you know, necessarily put into the place in race reports. So that is, you know, that's something that does have a value. A lot of people want to see video clips and everything these days, and we could put some video clips in if we wanted to, uh, but we can't do stuff in the paddock because of rights issues. Uh, we can't actually use race footage, I don't think. They are relaxing it a little bit, but not massively because TV companies will complain. But if you take a photo there of the podium, for example, you can stick that in GP magazine. GP Absolutely. Plus. Yeah. Okay. I, I, do, I, I do. Well, I don't do the photos myself. Often, I do actually on the grid. For example, there's a photograph this week of the fly past of the Italian Air Force, which I took on the grid, um, because you know, nicest will in the world. As you know, if you want to annoy a photographer, you just say everyone's a photographer these days with an iPhone. Um, and it's just as good. <laughs> well, it's it's not just as good because they're much more better. You know, they're much yeah. better at it. But in terms of the technical nature of the machine uh it can do it. it you know they will produce a much better photograph than i ever will um but you know can they do it as quickly no and it's a minefield for rights because what i do when i'm looking for thumbnails for our podcast posts is i i actually use the pictures from two years ago where the they've been marked for reuse uh and that's about all we can get away with until we get missed apex in the paddock yeah, well, even then, you know, you, you um, yeah, if you get if you get a photographer's pass, you'll be able to do that. But uh, <laughs> uh, it's, it's probably much easier just to ask somebody to do a deal, you know, and sort of say, "Gee whiz, everybody, you should all use Darren Heath or Peter Nygaard photography," um, and they'll give you some freebies. The other thing to do, by the way, is if you have press credential or not, if you go and talk to the teams. And say we're press, we're press, we're press. There's a whole bunch of free photographs that teams have available to everybody. So, which is fundamentally not necessarily a right thing, because that means that thousands of people can do it. But it's quite useful when you don't have the right photograph. I mean, I had one thing I was missing uh, in one of those. Can't remember what it was exactly, but there was something I needed, uh, and I didn't have it, and our photographer didn't have it. So, whiz to the team on the internet, see what they've got grab what you need put it in boom done no All rights right. issues uh, as long as just be careful that when you take photographs of hats just be careful of the exact position that hat is in all right joe take your word for it so uh okay so uh where can people uh get hold of your gp plus magazine obviously it's late in the season uh still worth probably getting a subscription you'd argue Oh, I think it's always worth it's worth getting a subscription on December the twenty eighth. You know, you get all the magazines of the year. Uh, you obviously don't get them all live, but there's still seven races to go and a seasonal review. Um, and you you can still get all the other races this year downloadable until the end of the year. So yes, it's good value. I mean, it's it's cheap as chips anyway. So you go to Joe's Blog dot com. No, Joe no, Blogs you, no, F1. If you go to Grand Prix Plus written out dot com, oh, okay. it's probably the easiest way of doing it. You can go to my blog and then t- you know, click on the connection, the link, Joe Blogs F1. Well, if you do um, that, you get to see your blog as well. Yeah, you get to see my blog as well. You get two hits for the price of one or something. Yeah. But if you don't know my blog anyway, I, I don't know, for goodness sake, what's wrong with you? Oh, you know, I was going to give you a compliment until you were so big-headed, but genuinely, your blog... I wasn't being big-headed, I'm just saying, I mean, I was talking to some people, you know, people, people, it is quite funny that uh, people people don't know about 
the blog uh, because how do you advertise a blog? It's not easy. Uh, it's word of mouth mainly. And I was uh, talking to some fans at Spa, and they said, "What's the blog address?" I said, "Well, I actually, well, pff, come to think of it, I can't remember off the top of my head. But if you type in Joe and F1, generally speaking, it probably comes up. And I hadn't actually done it to see, and uh, and so I did it, and it and it worked quite well. So." See, um, I don't think your blog is a, it pops up on Twitter, click on it, get an information. Your blog is a, you've seen it's, co- it's come out, you remember that it's there to read, and it's a coffee break thing. You want to sit down and actually absorb it because, you know, I'm not saying you go on a bit, but you create a story and a narrative around what you're saying. Yeah, but if you want to understand what's going on, you can't do it in 26 characters. Motorsport.com you know, uh, do. <laughs> well, no, they don't, clearly, do they? they um, the, the fact is that, Formula One is a complicated business, and a and a two hundred word news story will not necessarily tell you the full details. Absolutely. So anyone who isn't looking at Joe's blog, make sure you do go to. In fact, he's right. Just search Joe Sayward and Blogs F One, and you'll definitely get there. And follow him at Joe Sayward on Twitter. Uh, just got a few more minutes of your time, Joe. Would you mind talking about the driver market a little? Because this has got to be the time when things are, are settling into place. Um, it's going to ca- it's going to start happening soon. Yeah. Right, Force India. Perez needs to escape Ocon, surely. But Force India is saying it's going to do everything it can to hold on to Perez. And I'm wondering what's going on which, now. Here, Which is absolutely nothing. Next question. Well, what do you mean? <laughs> oh, I see. They would have to do nothing. No, no. There's nothing they can do to keep Perez if Perez wants to go. But do they need Perez? Do they need his money and speed? Uh, it's not his money that they need. They need, they need someone with his speed, yes. Okay. But it's not it's not in Perez's interest to stay where he is because no. Ocon is beginning to make him look uh, not second rate because you can't say Sergio's second rate, but he's being beaten by him now. And you can't afford to do that for long because your value goes down. So what Perez needs to do to move his career forward is to go into a manufacturer team, which will ultimately maybe win him a world championship. Force India may be a great team, but it's never going to win the world championship unless – a uh, manufacturer comes along and says, come on, Force India, we can do this. Yeah, no, I, I can see that. And really, for his reputation, he shouldn't be tussling with a rookie quite in the kind of silly manner. They've both looked a little silly, but for a rookie, you can forgive it. With Perez, you think, oh, maybe, you know, if you're a Perez fan, you think maybe you wish he'd have avoided some of those scuffles. Um, I just think it's... It... Perez has done six years in Formula One, and he showed he's pretty good. Um, and Ocon is just past one year in Formula One, uh, nine months in a good car. So, you know, what he's showing is pretty spectacular stuff. And with Perez, you can say, okay, I'll stay there and meet the challenge. But if I were him, I'd move along, go to Hulkenberg, who you know and have worked with before, go to Renault, which is moving on upwards through the – through the uh, pecking order. Um, and in theory, at least next year, the Renault with more money, more everything should be ahead of the Force India. Whoa, 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 whoa. Hang on a minute there, Joe. Being a bit presumptuous that there's going to be a seat at Renault. I mean, Palmer has had one not embarrassing qualifying. <laughs> if you think there's not going to be a seat at Renault, you are bonkers. <laughs> oh, it's just a shame. It's just a shame. Yeah. I mean, the guys, the guys, at least he's, he's, he's had a bit of form since the summer break and he's certainly 
his attitude seems to have improved. When they told him to retire the car, he wasn't even mad. He was just like, oh, all right, okay, better than normal, uh, and parked it. So you, you're saying no hope for Jolian? Uh, I think it's fair to say he has very little hope, yes. Okay, so then, so same question as with the, the engine suppliers, really. What's the, the catalyst this year? What, what's going to kick off the driver market and make everything start falling into place? A Honda decision. A Honda decision takes care of Fernando because Fernando is not moving until Honda is gone. The minute Honda is gone, Fernando will sign for McLaren. He's not going to Indy cars. He's not going to put on fairy wings and go dance in the Bolshoi Ballet. He's going to stay at McLaren or probably go nowhere. So that's the choices. There is no Porsche deal left in WEC for him to do, and he's too old for anything else. So... He's going to stay where he is with Stoffel van Dorn. That leaves a place at Renault, which is the next one down the sort of, you could argue that Williams is the next one down the pecking order, but there really is nobody to go to Williams apart from Perez, and Perez doesn't want to go there because Force India is better than Williams already, and why go that backwards down the grid? And Williams, you can argue, you know, they've hired lots of people, they'll be better next year, but will they? That's a, hell of a, that's a hell of a risk to take. Is their budget going to be better next year? Maybe a little bit. Is Renault's budget going to be bigger next year? Of course it is. Yeah. Are we assuming then that Mercedes are going to re-sign Bottas then? Because that's a one-year deal he's on at the moment. Oh, Bottas is, is guaranteed. Really? See, that seems yeah. obvious to you. It's not obvious to us millions, Joe. Okay. Well, it's obvious to me, and I'm terribly sorry that nobody's told the rest of you. But um, That's why I you're here. <laughs> I can't. I can't. I don't even actually. It haven't even crossed my mind that they hadn't re-signed him. For me, he's done and dusted and there. So, the Red Bulls are not going anywhere. They're both stuck under contract. Uh, Ferraris, we know what they're doing. Uh, Sauber, we pretty much know what they're doing because Charles Leclerc we put in alongside Marcus Ericsson, which means that Pascal Verlaine, who's a better driver than Ericsson, is on the market with nowhere to go. The trouble with Verlaine is that Mercedes can't put him at Williams because they need a 25-year-old and Verland's too young. How old is Sainz? Sainz is a Red Bull driver. Aha. Uh-huh. But he's and not a very happy Red Bull driver necessarily. Does that make a difference to being a Red Bull driver? Max Verstappen is a not very happy Red Bull driver at the moment, but he can't go anywhere. Fair enough. And Hamilton is in contract for next season, isn't he? Yes. Yes. Okay, then. Okay. So it's not as exciting a driver market as we, we might have thought. No, you get down to Renault quite quickly. Once you've, once you've got Hulkenberg and Perez in place there, then you zip across to Force India. Williams don't really have a choice and will probably have to stay with what they have, unless some dramatic earthquake happens. If, for example, Lawrence Stroll, Lance's dad, says, this is ridiculous, I'll buy Force India rather than deal with Williams. Uh, I'm not saying it, it will happen, but you know, I'm talking about weird things that could happen. Mm. Um then that would throw the market around again. But what we have at the moment, it's a fairly clear-cut market, really. I don't see much change. Cool. Thank you so much for your time, Joe. I, I promise never to keep you more than an hour. But what's next on the cards for Mr. Joe Sayward before Singapore? Um, I'm sitting at home for at least one more day, and then I have to rush off to London, and I'll be back after that. And off to Singapore on about Wednesday next week, I think. And that gets you settled in nice and ready for free practice one. So do, do you get a bit of leisure time on a Thursday? Ha <laughs> <laughs> Okay. 
Yeah, right. I used to get, I was going to have an audience on Thursday night, but of course you must remember that uh, in in Singapore, um, everything happens at night. We all live on the wrong time zones. So if you turn up in the paddock at two o'clock in the afternoon on Thursday, it's going to be a very, very lonesome place. Uh, if you turn up at nine o'clock at night, there'll be some people there and they'll be packing up and going back to bed about four o'clock in the morning. So that's what happens. So we all live this rather strange life where everything's upside down uh, and then we get on a plane and come back. So logically, there shouldn't be any jet lag at all, but it doesn't quite work like that. You're so. doing a, a fine job of trying to not make us all very jealous of your jet, le- jet set lifestyle, but come on, it's super glamorous. Uh, it depends. I've been doing the same lifestyle for rather a long time. And believe me, there are, there is a downside to this glamour, but I, I, I accept that if you're sitting there, uh, leading a fairly normal life, yes, it sounds glamorous. Yeah. Fantastic. Joe, thank you so much for joining me in the shed on Twitter. That is Joe Sayward and Joe blogs F1. If you want to catch Joe's fantastic blogs, uh, we hope you join us in the shed again soon. Guys, look forward this week to the first waffle cast from Matt Trumpet Productions. That's right. I've let him loose on his own and he's doing a show as we speak now with Summer's F1. So it's going to be a bit of a, a tech show. So make sure you listen to that, learn and remember that. Wounds heal, chicks dig scars, and glory lasts forever. This was Inside F1 with Joe Saywood. See that end bit adds a bit of glamour to it, Joe. I can tell you like yeah, it. Dead glamorous. I like the dancing bit too, you know. <laughs> All the more reason to join the live stream, guys. Yeah. So do you do you, you do you cut the dancing off during the uh, during the um, what do you call it the uh, the video casting thing? Well, when I when I edit the video, no, I don't edit anything from <laughs> the end. I just trim it from the beginning and then I leave it to run at the end. And normally I chat with the the live stream and stuff. So, like that so and, this uh, is do all bit... going out there, is it? Oh, this is all going out there. We do a bit of oh, karaoke. Okay. We do. Oh, in uh, that case, I'll say, I'll say a few very rude words and you won't be able to, will you? Selling a little or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. 
Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 